You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so following Jesus. Um, You know, we we think about following Jesus, and uh, when I think about following Jesus, I think about 2022. I mean, we're just three Sundays in. God has a plan. He's already got a detailed plan for 2022. You know, you ever, you ever hope things will happen a certain way in a year? Well, God does too. And I, I get disappointed a lot of times. I don't, do y'all ever get disappointed how your year turns out? I mean, over the last two years, probably everybody could raise their hand a little bit, right? I wonder if God ever get, gets disappointed with how it turns out. Well, God looks in the future. He knows what's going to happen, right? So he can kind of temper his with that. But I tell you this, God has a plan for 2022, and you are a part of it. Look at the scriptures, Psalm 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Think about it. God delights in every detail of their lives. And listen, I, I did some study not too long ago just, just about this thing of, 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 of how God plans, and, and then, but maybe he backs off just to see how things are going, and yeah, maybe he does that, but this scripture right, right here says he delights in every detail of your life, that he didn't just, you know, set everything in motion, and now he's letting it go, just whatever happens. He, he is, he, not just wants to be involved, he delights in this. He wants, to, he wants to help you in every single detail of your life, okay? So, let me, let me tell you some things about this. Uh, this next slide for me, Kevin, if you will. Our mission isn't accomplished simply because we make good choices. Now, I know I like, I like to preach that sometimes is because I want you to make good choices, you know. And, hey, our mission, you've you got to make good choices, and if you don't, you know, you're going to blow it. But our mission is not going to be accomplished simply because we make good choices. The mission, next slide, the next point, this mission will be successful because of the one who is in charge. Because he's, he's decided, and he's God, so if he chooses to do this, it's going to happen if he says, I don't care what y'all do, I'm still going to do this. As, as he sent word to Esther that time, when Esther said, I don't know if I can do this, and Mordecai said, well, you go ahead and back off, because God is going to send help from somebody, if it's not you, somebody else. And so this mission is going to be successful because of the one who's in charge of the mission. But third, the third point here is we get to be part of the mission's success by making good choices. So think about that. We don't necessarily make the mission successful because we make good choices. God's going to make the mission successful. We, we water, we plant, uh, we do those things, but God is the one who brings the increase. But we get to be a part of it because we make good choices. You know, the success isn't up to us. The success is up to him. But our personal involvement in the success relies on our good choices. And you know the difference between a call and a choice, right? You know the difference? Like, last week we talked about the disciples and, and how Jesus called them. And he didn't call them to believe. He called them to follow. And then every one of them, what do they have to do? They had to make a choice. Now, we just talked about the disciples last week. But there were other people that Jesus called to follow him that said, I can't do that. But Jesus said, sell what you've got and come follow me. And one guy said, I, I can't do that. 
because I've, I own too much stuff. I've got too many toys to get rid of to sell everything and follow you, Jesus. So there, there were a lot of people, I, I, you know, um, I've got to go back and say goodbye to my family. Uh, someone has died, and I've got to go back and bury them. So a lot of people had the call but made the choice to not follow. So he makes the call. We get to make the choice. And you've only got two options. When you get the call, you've only got two options. And listen, when I'm talking about call, I'm not talking about the, those who may be called into a full-time ministry. All of us are called because all of us have something awesome to do for Jesus. He delights in every detail of your life in 2022. And when you, get the, when you get this call to come along beside him and follow him in whatever, whatever uh, area it is and, and to whatever degree it is, when you get that call, then you, have, you, only have two, you only have two options, yes or no. Now, I know we like, to, we like to throw in another option, like kind of a maybe, let me think about it. I mean, man, if there's ever been a, a generation, a, a time that people are like, you know, let me hedge my bets, you know, kind of like, I really want to go to this party if a better party doesn't come along, right? You know, I really want to go out to eat with them at Jack's if somebody doesn't call me tomorrow and ask me to go to Outback, right? Uh, you know, that kind of a thing. And so people kind of hedge their bets. And we want to do that with the call of God. Like, if God calls us, no, we just put this off a little while. And that's okay, right? But no, you've only got two. You can only say yes or no to a call immediately. Okay, if I picked up my cell phone this afternoon and I called you and you look down at your screen and you see... Rick, Pastor Rick, whatever, however you've got me in your phone, whatever, right? And you see it. At that moment, how many options do you have? Two. You say, well, but I can put it off. You can't put off a call. You, you, you can put off reading a text. You can put off reading an email, but you can't put off a call. You decide that moment whether you are going to say yes or no. And if you decide, well, I'll talk to him later, what is that? That's a no. And when God calls you, you don't decide, I'm going to put that off till later. That's a no. You either say yes or no at that particular moment. Wow. So we, get, we all get the call, and then we have a choice to make. And today we're talking about the importance of connecting with one another, with other Christians. Okay, we're talking about connecting, all right? Um, and uh, let, me just, let me just give you a whole other things, just real three, three big things real, real quick. And this is, this is just kind of science, right? We were designed to connect. Now, that's not scripture, okay? But you just look it up. You just ask science. We, we were designed to connect. We need connection. I know, even you introverts, I know you still are designed to connect. And you just, you just don't want to do it to the level a lot of other people do, okay? Uh, our social connection is a core human need, we need to connect. Our mirror, our mirror neurons in our, in our brain, they are stimulated when we interact with others. Okay, that's, that's just a few things. We could go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Go ahead, Google it this afternoon if you want to. We have this need to connect. And that's just, that's just science. That's just the science of it. That's not the scripture of it that is even behind, kind of behind the science. Okay, that's not even the scripture. I want to talk to you about the scripture. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, argue with you about the science of it. I want, I want to challenge you to see the way Jesus did it. And there, there could be no argument about this, okay? This next thing I'm going to say, there can be no argument about this. There's no way to say it other than just say it flat out that Jesus loves people. Everybody say amen. amen. Does anybody disagree with that? That Jesus loves people. Did, I mean... 
even, even the people that were attacking him, he gave them time. Even the people that he knew were going to betray him. You know, you ever, you ever heard somebody point that out? That the night, you know, Jesus is sitting there the night before he's crucified and, and he's telling them, one of y'all is going to betray me. You're going to sell me out. And, and, and while he's saying that and knowing that, then he washes the disciples' feet and he washes all their feet, even the one that is going to betray them betray him there is there is no doubt uh next slide for me uh, oh or did i skip one uh, okay uh okay thank, thank you kevin uh, because i know i know i know you you say I'll let some people say didn't jesus practice solitude because he did i mean there's some scriptures right yes he practiced solitude but you know when he practiced solitude there there are the these are probably the main four scriptures about when jesus went to be in a solitary place and you know why he did in all four of those to pray now you and I we, we want solitude because we want to gather our thoughts or we want to get out our phone play our game or we we just you know, we just want some alone time whatever Jesus did for prayer and you know what happened immediately after that immediately after that he went back to connect with the people and that Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13 that specific story right there is he went away to pray and the crowd followed him they found him where he was and so you know what he did he said Look, I'm having some alone time. Y'all get away for a little while. No, no, he didn't do that. You know what he did? That was one of those times that he fed them and he healed them. He, he looked at them and he saw the struggles that they were in and he fed them and he healed them. So yeah, he practiced solitude, but he practiced solitude for prayer. He didn't practice solitude because I can't stand being around people anymore. You know, I got to have a break from you guys. That's, that's, that's not what he did. Jesus loves people. Now let's go to the script, get to the scripture page right here and see all this. Okay, and I know this is really, 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 really tiny. That's okay. I'm gonna read it to you. All right, if you can't read it from back there, and you can find it in the sermon notes. But I want to read through these just real quick, okay? Because if you got any doubt that Jesus loves people, here, it, here, here this this should uh, settle those doubts. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I don't know if you noticed this. 14, 14. That scripture I was talking about just a second ago where he went away to solitude, then he found that, this is 14, 14, the very next verse. So when he practiced solitude so he could pray, then when he saw the people, he had compassion on them. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And uh, uh, I've had a several conversations over the last couple of weeks and I just hear people talk about man I feel so sorry for them because I'm, I'm hearing you and, I, and I'm hearing this this Jesus idea this Jesus personality this Jesus heart that's inside of some of you as you're talking about people who are struggling people who are having problems and instead of just judging and saying they're wrong and that that, that you're saying and I feel so sorry for them that that's that's the Jesus in you please hang on to that Matthew 15, 32, that Jesus called his disciples told them, I feel sorry for these people. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. Uh, so that's another chapter over and Jesus wants to feed them again. Matthew 23, 37, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I, I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. He said, this is, this is the, what I want to do. I want to gather you together and you won't let me. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 13, uh, a woman that had just lost her son to death and when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion and he said, don't cry. In uh, John chapter 8, verse 11, 
A woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and she was being condemned by all these people around her. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Luke 5, verse 12 and 13. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. And you know what he did? He didn't run the other direction. He didn't stay away from him as he was supposed to do according to the Old Testament law. He didn't do that. It says Jesus reached out and touched him. He touch a man with a skin disease he reached out and touched him you know because he had compassion on him and uh jesus went to peter's home he went to Zacchaeus's home uh, and he was probably in simon peter's home several times he went to a pharisee's home he went to a centurion's home and he was at lazarus mary and martha's home over and over on a lot of occasions there there can be no doubt jesus loves people therefore I can't call myself a follower of Jesus if I don't connect with people. If, if I don't spend time with other Christians and even people who aren't Christians, if I don't find ways to connect with them, I cannot call myself a, disciple, a follower of Jesus because that's what Jesus did. That's, this is what Jesus did. And, and we don't know how many, maybe more times or more houses and homes that Jesus was in. And, 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 you know, and if there had been a maker's coffee on the corner somewhere, I'm sure Jesus would have been there. You know, sipping some coffee or whatever it is that they drank that was hot back in those days or whatever. Right? I, I don't know. He would, I'm sure he would have been there because Jesus loves people. And to follow Jesus means we have to love people and connect with them also. And because we'll kind of take this little side road here that you need to connect with other Christians. You need, okay? So let me just give you a few reasons right here. You don't just need stimulation. You need Christian stimulation. Now, I could stop here and talk a little bit about all the stimulation you and I get in the world today. We need Christian stimulation. We get so much that is bombarding us and our thoughts and our, our heart. You need Christians to be like, you need the opportunity to discover your gifts and to use them. You know, um, more and more people are, are, are saying, hey, uh, I've just found out it's easier for me to do church at home, just watch it on TV and da 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 You need the opportunity to use your gifts to discover what it is that God wants you to do. And you can't do that sitting in front of a TV. You can't do that online. And, you know, if you have to do that when you're sick and those, you have to quarantine, I understand that. But you can't just stay there. You have to discover what it is that God has called you to do, the gifting he's given you. You need to be challenged. And this 30-minute challenge you're getting from the pastor today, that's, that's not all you need. You need this connection, this regular connection with people beyond this hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. You need to be challenged. You need accountability. How many of y'all like accountability? right? Unless you're the boss. <laughs> and some of you, there's your boss. You don't even like accountability being the boss because you don't like, you don't like confrontation, right? We don't like accountability, but we appreciate the need for it. We appreciate that. We understand that, right? I mean, if you got a, you know, if you got a terrible two in your home and He's now 14 years old and he's still a terrible two, you kind of understand and appreciate the need for accountability, we have to have accountability. And you, you don't get that sitting at home, listening or watching it on TV or whatever. 
you need the support of your spiritual family. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says, God decided in advance, way back from the foundation of the world, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, twice, <coughs> we've heard something in this sermon from Scripture that tells us something about God having delight or pleasure. And what is it? The plan he has for your life and you being a part of his family. You see, he can't help us with these things when we're you know, barely giving him a moment of time. We have to take the time to connect. Let me share something. Over the last month, I've reconnected with a couple of, of um, my pastor friends, younger guys than me, just to see what was going on. You know, and uh, actually, one of them connected me first, and, and then the other one I'd, I'd contact and just see what was going on during this COVID time. Because, I mean, and, and, and guys, it's not just about, hey, people are sick and, you know, we got a few empty chairs. It's not just about that. It's not just about trying to decide if we're going to have church or not, you know, or if we need to shut down again because of, uh, of uptick in COVID. It's not just those. There are just so many things that pastors are dealing with. Right? If, you know a, if you're close to a pastor, uh, besides me, I, I'd say, give them a call this afternoon. You know, you might find somebody, you know, at the end of their rope. Because one of these guys I talked to just in the past month, during COVID, he closed his church, shut it down, just shut it down. He said, I helped everybody find somewhere else to go, and I closed my church. And my heart just broke, you know, because of two or 3,000 churches were closing every single day in, the, in, in, the, uh, in, in our country back before COVID. And now? And now, I'm sorry, every single month. And now, how's it, how's it even, is it even probably worse than that? And another one, somebody close to me, just shut his down. The other guy, he was, he was actually even younger than this guy. They're both somewhat younger than me. This guy was a good bit younger than me. I think about 20 years younger than me. I was talking to him. I was asking him, how, how have you guys navigated? And he said, well, you know, we did. It sounded like he did a lot of the same kind of things we did, you know, in March, when everything shut down, everything has to go digital, online, and all that. He said we did that, did a pretty good job of it. I think anybody, you know, any church that had young people in their church was able to kind of move to digital pretty easy, you know, because uh, you got people that are already connecting, thinking those ways, and, you know, it's, it, it kind of was an easy thing for us. And he said, he said it was easy, and he said, you know, we were doing a pretty good job with it and everything. He said, he said but you know, this, la this fall, you know, now that we've been, you know, kind of a year and a half through it, he said, look back, and he said, I, he, came, he came to this conclusion. He said, we made this mistake, and he, and he said, I think a lot of churches made this mistake, is because we told ourselves and we told others that we're giving you this online because something is better than nothing. Something's better than nothing, right? Not always. You know, there are some time, there's some times in our life that nothing is better than something instead of something being better than nothing. Can you think of any time? Let me give you a few examples. A spouse that is abusive. Nothing would be better than something there. A drink that is toxic or poisonous. Nothing would be better than something. An unkind word. What do we say if you don't have something nice to say? Don't say anything at all. 
an unkind word, nothing would be better than something. Let me, let me give you one more example. When we allow a copy of what we really, really need in our lives to become the permanent fix or the permanent solution for the original thing that we really, really need in our lives. When we allow a temporary copy to become the permanent solution for something in our lives, in that case, nothing would have been better than something. When we understand that something is temporary, when we understand that something is a copy and we say, okay, I got to do this today because I can't do this. You know, let me ask you this. Anybody ever had a spit bath? Now, <laughs> I Google spit bath just to see because I just want to know. Because every once in a while, you know, sometimes I think of things and I think I'm going to bring that up in a sermon or, or a, a class or something. And I just, I'm, I'm just, does everybody's family do these or not or whatever? And so it's just, you know what? Uh, I don't know what spit bath means to you, but to, to the internet world out there, spit bath is something they give in a hospital or something that they give, you know, with a, with a sponge or whatever. And I'm thinking, but where, where do you guys think the name spit bath came from? And you know what? I couldn't find a single article or post or anything that admitted the name spit bath came from somebody taking some saliva <laughs> and actually wiping something clean. Now, now okay, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't want to gross you guys out, all right? But, you know, in my family, I think you're growing up, most of the time when it happened is when we were in a car headed somewhere, you know, that we needed to look somewhat presentable, and mom, raising three boys, would turn around and find out at least one or two or all three of us had been in the yard, and we had the evidence maybe all over our face, right? And so you take out a Kleenex, and uh, you get a little spit, you know, and you just wipe off. You know, and if your mom is really, 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 really nice to you, she'll actually use your own spit to wipe off your face, right? <laughs> you know? And that's what a spit bath was in my family. Now, internet, I, I don't know. But where do they think the name came from if it didn't begin from something like that, right? And you know what? That was on the way somewhere that we needed to look a little bit better and mom didn't realize we got mud all over our faces or something. Or maybe food or whatever or paint, you know, or whatever. And you know what? Wiping that off with just a little bit of spit, that something was better than nothing. But if that's the only bath you had for about three, four, five, six years, <laughs> you thought I was going to say days or months, didn't you? I was actually thinking about it, and I decided to make it years. You know what? We would all, sitting beside you in church today, the people around you would all be aware of the fact that something is not always better than nothing right? Sometimes we allow a copy that was meant to be temporary to fulfill a permanent need in our life, and that's when something is not better than nothing. And so if you're saying, well, I've, I've discovered that I can, I can be a Christian like this, but, but I can be a Christian at home, and I've heard so many people saying this, I can be a Christian, you know, just watching it, just and whatever, but being a Christian means being a Christ follower, not believing in his doctrines, but following his actions. And if you can't follow his actions, 
through something, then you can't say, I'm a Christian just doing this. Let me wrap with this last point. I saved it for last. The most important, number one reason why you need to connect as a Christian. Okay? Now, I hope whenever I say most important, number one, I hope your ears always perk up because you know I don't say that without giving this a lot of thought. All right? I don't say the most important without really thinking about that because, and I, I, I'll tell you, some of y'all have heard this if you've been around for several years, is um, there were, I remember back early in my ministry, I was pastoring and uh, still early in my ministry, and I, I preached one Sunday about the most important thing you can do is da-da-da-da. I don't remember what it was I said. But just a couple of weeks later, on a Sunday morning, same church, you know, same congregation, you know, I'm pastoring. I said, do you know what the most important thing that you can do in this situation is? And I waited, and everybody yelled out what I'd said two weeks ago. That wasn't the most important thing I was wanting to preach to them today about. <laughs> and I realized sometimes we throw out most importance when it is not the ultimate most important. So I'm really, really careful about telling you the most important, but I want to tell you what I believe is the most important reason for you to connect today. It's because Why you need to connect with others today is because they need you. Jesus didn't come because he needed some friends. He didn't come to find so because he needed 12 guys to walk around with him and say, hey, I'm going to go down to the earth for three, 32, 33 years. I'm going to spend three of that walking around with these 12 guys. And we're just going we to do the Robin Hood kind of a thing, you know, just, you know, Robin Hood, little John, walk through the forest, you know, that kind of thing. We're just going to enjoy. That's not why he came. He came for the needs that people had around him. He went to, into solitude to pray, but he came back out because of people around him that had needs. You need to connect. I gave you a whole list of reasons why you need to connect. Science tells you all the reasons you need to connect, but the most important reason you need to connect, I believe, is because there are people around you who need you in their life. And following Jesus, following Jesus means that you connect because people around you need you in your life. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at Church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.